even when you're trying to do the best and bring the best content and the most uplifting message possible, sometimes it, there's just people out there that just have a lot of trauma, man, that are going to project that on you. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. I'm Rick Jordan, of course. I'm here. I'm your host. And before we jump in, I'm feeling a little cheeky today. So you're going to get some of that in this episode. It's going to be good. But I need to ask for your help, please. Can you share this out with at least three people? We don't take sponsors on the show. We're out here to provide a service, bring knowledge, bring truth to the world. The only way we can do that with more people is if you help out and share this when we're done. And you're going to want to today. I'm excited today because my guest is CEO of the Veloz Group. The purpose of that is to build and operate technology-driven companies and apply advanced technology skills and creative outside-the-box thinking to underserved markets. That is a mouthful because here's the really <laughs> exciting stuff. This dude's a podcast host of 30-Minute Mentors, but I found a testimonial on his website. And before I read this, I'm going to welcome Adam Mendler to the show. Welcome, brother. Rick, thanks so much for having me, man. Excited to be here with you. Excited to be here with your listeners. Fired up. Yeah, man, that's awesome, dude. I, I, I saw this on your site, you know, because I always try to do my my team does amazing research and all of our guests that come on, you know, with the with the info you submit, then they go out and try to find obscure things on their own. You know, I've I've found some funny things about some people here and there, but this is one because I love as I was reading through all the info that I had on you, you know, and this is where I'd like to start the show today because you've done a lot of really cool things and your site really promotes all the really cool things that you've done just like mine does right and i always try to find those nuggets of like real humanness and you've got testimonials right on may i read one of these to you because it's amazing absolutely i mean Rick, before you do i I appreciate what you're sharing with listeners because if you go to adamendler.com if you go to rick's website if you go to any of our websites you get to see the airbrush versions of ourselves yeah that's what we do. We take whatever tools on the internet, we airbrush ourselves and we take it, we put it out there for everyone to see. But if you want to see who we are in real life, that's what this is all about. That's what these conversations are all about. So excited to dive right in. Right on. That's a, I love these types of conversations, man. Cause it just, Adam brings a true authenticity and transparency to his story and advice on how to pursue career goals, build key relationships and remain agile in the business and life planning process. I left a 90 minute session with Adam inspired while also clear on tactical steps I could take tomorrow to improve my career in business. And my biggest takeaway was the power of relationships and people. Dude, I, I saw this. And I was like, man, you know, cause I don't know if it's you, you know, cause one, I, I like seeing haters sometimes, right? <laughs> because, it, because we know that, Hey, this is cool. We're, 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 inspiring some emotions in people, you know, and I went probably about a month on social media without any haters on any of my contents. And I was like, what's wrong team? What's going on here? <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> the, the, the hate disappeared. They're like, well, Rick, it's good content. Your engagement's up. I'm like, I know, but we're not stimulating enough. Right. <laughs> but then, but then I love seeing these things, man, too. How do you feel when you, when you hear those words, when you see, when you, you know, somebody else's words about you that are just amazing like that, what does that do to you? I love it. I mean, you can't help but feel good when you hear people who are moved by the work that you do. So 
I teach a class at UCLA. I love that. I love the fact that every week that I go and show up in the classroom, I'm in some shape or form helping to mold the next generation of leaders. I try to do that through my content, through my podcast, through my writing, through my speaking. And when you hear the feedback in real time, it's obviously rewarding. And I, I don't hear a lot of hate. Hopefully the people who hate me um, are at least in some sense kind and don't share their hate to me directly. I do hear some hate on occasion about some of my guests, which I, you know, all right, hate on my guests, but yeah. at least you're not hating on me. I had uh, one guest in particular who inspired a lot of hate and I was really surprised by it. But then I realized that, you know, we live in such a polarized environment that you put anyone on your show with any kind of opinion and someone's going to hate on them. So you could bring on the most successful people in America. Someone said one thing one time at one point in their life and um, someone's going to say something negative about you. But Rick, to your point, I think it's just important to focus on the positive. Life is all about trying to uplift others, trying to make a positive difference in the lives of others, trying to make an impact that will allow others to become their best selves. And if that's your mindset, then whatever negativity there is that's around you just sort of flows in one ear and out the other. Yeah, no doubt, man. And it's, uh, there, there's scenarios I can think of in those too, but you know, I, I, well, I, do, I used to be focused on, it's like, I want to help everybody, you know? And then when I started down this track of really putting myself out there, I remember this, you know, when the, when the people came about and at first it was people that I knew, like knew me my entire life. And when I started, you know, putting my content out there and started just talking about stories in my life and there were some things that they, they were jealous of that I was accomplishing. And it was also things that I was talking about some past childhood stories that might've involved some of them, you know, and some parents back then and all that. And then it came to where they started hating on me. I was like, man, is this just like preparation for the future? Because I realized very early at first my heart sank. And then I was able to realize it's like, you know what? I just got to keep going, man. Because it, no matter what anybody's going to think about me, my purpose is to bring truth into the world. And I want to do that in a very positive and motivational way. But that's not going to resonate with everybody. Even when you're trying to do the best and bring the best content and the most uplifting message possible, sometimes it, there's just people out there that just have a lot of trauma, man, that are going to project that on you. And Rick, I think more broadly, I, I hear your point. I hear everything you're saying. And I think to take it one step further, your message, and I don't mean you personally, I mean this to anyone listening oh, sure. to your podcast your message isn't going to resonate with everyone. Your content isn't going to re resonate with everyone. Your product isn't going to resonate with everyone. I think that a mistake that every entrepreneur makes, I can tell you that I've made it in my businesses and you make it, you learn from it is that you try to be all things to all people and you come up with a product, you come up with a service, you come up with content and you think that everyone yeah. is going to love it. And in reality, that isn't what leads to success. What leads to success is understanding who your audience is, understanding who it is that's out there, that your content, that your product, that your service is going to resonate and make sure that you're focusing on them, delivering it to them. If you have something that's really good, it's going to appeal to a large audience. So 
rather than focusing on trying to be someone else, something else, focus on who you are, focus on becoming your best self, discover your own inner voice and go with it because whatever you have, whatever your unique voice is, your unique offering is, will resonate with someone out there. And the more you can hone it, the more you can polish it, the more it will resonate with a larger and larger audience. For sure, my man. And this would translate, I would think, into leadership too, which is obviously your area of expertise. You know, how how is it possible? This is a trick question, right? Almost like rhetorical, but (laughs) you know, it's how is it possible to be an effective leader if you're not actually bringing who you truly are there? If you're almost trying to impersonate somebody else, you know, rather than being your true self, like you're talking, is that a concept that you start to teach too? Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. I give a talk on the core principles of resonant leadership and I have seven principles on what it takes to be a resident leadership. And the first principle is self-awareness. Before you can effectively lead others, you need to be able to lead your own life. And it starts with understanding who you are, understanding your strengths, understanding your weaknesses, understanding your superpower, understanding what it is about you that makes you different, that makes you special, that makes you unique. And before others are going to listen to you before others are going to accept you as a leader before you can effectively drive organizational change before you can lead others you need to really be in touch with yourself and when you look at people who lack self-awareness and are in managerial positions they're not effective leaders they might have a business card or they might have a title that says manager, uh, but their effectiveness as leaders are are not are suspect to say the least. Yeah. You, you mentioned something in there and I'm, maybe we can unpack this a little bit is it's key for leadership to identify what your superpower is. Right. Do you have a process that you teach on and what is that process to help identify that? Cause that's a lot of internal reflection, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just to, hit that point home to listeners. I'm a very, very big believer that most people in life are bad at most things. And I can tell you that me personally, I'm bad at too many things to list. Rick, I know that if we took the time to go through all the things that I'm bad at, you wouldn't have enough time in your day. I know that I'm just (laughs) one person that you're interviewing today, but we would probably go all the way through the end of the calendar year, um, just listing all the things that I'm bad at. But we have a few things that we're good at, and we have that one thing that makes us great, that makes us special, that makes us different from everyone else around us. And the more quickly you could figure out what it is that makes you special, what it is that makes you different, what it is that makes you unique, the more effective you'll be in life, the more effective you'll be in business, the more effective you'll be as a leader. And what is that process? Well, first things first, it's never too early and it's never too late to get on that journey of self-discovery. And it starts with taking the time to understand who you are, block out meaningful time to think through Who am I? What are my strengths? 
What are my weaknesses? What is it about me that makes yeah. me different? So step number one is committing to this process and committing to deep self-reflection. Number two is going to the people around you, going to the people who know you well, including the people who know you best, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, your coworkers, anyone around you who has a perspective on you, someone who knew you when you were a kid, a former teacher, maybe even a customer, I would put together as big a pool as you can and have this conversation with them. Ask them, what is it about me that makes me different? What is that one characteristic about me that differentiates me from everyone else you know? What do you believe is my single defining trait? And you're going to see a theme emerge. And I highly encourage anyone listening to this conversation to get on this journey, to start doing it. And what I, I see over and over and over again is when I ask people, when I ask audiences I speak to, it could be an audience of senior executives. It could be an audience of emerging leaders. It could be my students who I give this project to. It's the first homework assignment I give of, of my graduate class that I teach on leadership at UCLA. And what I always find is that there might be one exception, but 99% of the people come back and say, this is my superpower. And for, to 99% of the people, you need to dig deeper. You need to probe further. Yeah, right on. Yeah. You need to think more extensively. You need to ask more people. You need to, you need to really take this process as seriously as you can because the outcome is so important. The outcome is ultimately going to lead you to so much more success as a leader, so much more success professionally and personally. For sure, man. And you're hitting on a major key there too, because when you said that, you know, 99% of people come back and say, oh, this is my superpower. And you're like, you need to dig deeper. You know, may I, may I share with you my personal experience and identify my superpower? Because it was a lot of what you were saying. And I started, because I've asked people what they've thought of me, but even more so, if you give people the opportunity to, even with, I've discovered anyways, even without asking, they will start to identify things in you. And they'll verbalize it too if they have the space to do that. If they know that you're not going to be off-putting or or push them back or get defensive, whatever you know. And this comes down to criticism, but it's also on the on the good side too, where it's they will help you identify your superpower if they if you just give them the opportunity to speak about you sometimes, even without asking questions. So I was in an event a couple of years ago, and I'm sitting there because I, I do. I mean, even today, people ask, it's like, what does Rick really do? You know, and the messages become clear. <laughs> clearer and clearer over time. It's great. But there's so many things, right? You know, like last year I made a documentary, you know, <laughs> you know about government overreach. I have a cybersecurity company that has an IPO coming up. I'm a musician. I'm an ordained pastor. You know, I'm a public speaker. I do all these, all these things. And I started to think about this because the question that was posed in this event I was attending was today, we're going to figure out the answer to the question, what are you known for? 
which really is your superpower, I discovered. You know, so I started thinking, it's like, so I go through these things in my head. I'm like, okay, well, I, I know cybersecurity. That's cool. People know me about that. You know, they, they'll ask me questions, you know, and I think back to like Geek Squad days when I was the first Geek Squad agent in Chicago. Everyone, you know, family, friends would be like, hey, I got this computer problem. Now I became <laughs> the family computer guy, you know, and then it's like, oh, but I, I, I've played on stage and have led thousands in music, you know, th audiences of thousands of people at one time, you know, those large crowds. And I've done that and I've spoken in front of these large crowds too. And they know me as somebody who is sound in faith. They know me as a dad. They know me as a husband. They know me as all these things. And I'm like, this is what people would say about me. But then I started, I'm like, I stopped. I'm like, wait, wait. It's like, these are like things that I do almost. You know, you know, what's, what's the resonating thing? It's like, okay, I'm a leader. I get, you know, people will want run through walls for me. They'll, they, they always like, Rick, I got your back. You know, anything goes down, I'm behind you. Take us anywhere. I'll, I'll break through, you know, hell's flames to, to make sure that we succeed as long as you're leading us. I'm like, cool. That's awesome. So I'm a leader. And I'm like, no, that's not really my superpower either because those yeah. are skills that can be learned. But then I start, I thought back and I started hearing these things resonate because I had asked people over time, I'm talking like over a decade, man. It's like, what do you see in me? Who, who do you see? Who do you see that I am? What are qualities about me that you see? And I, I kept hearing this like, you know, passionate, authentic, you know, and all these different words kept flashing from conversations that I had. And one conversation came up. I was sitting in the car. I was uh, training salespeople for Best Buy in their, their brand new business to business division. And I had a brand new salesperson in the car with me and I was just coaching him, mentoring him hardcore. And then I go into something personal. I don't remember what it was, but I got super passionate about it. And I said, and I, I apologize. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just get so passionate about this. And I known him for three months. He goes, Rick, I have only known you for a short time and everything that you talk about Everything, when I see that you put your heart into it, you're passionate about it. Dude, whatever you decide, you are all in. And I was like, in that moment, it's like I felt like from my feet to the top of my head just completely fill up when I came <laughs> when I remembered that conversation. And the dude said, Rick, you are all in. And then everything underneath that, leadership, dad, musician, pastor, public speaker, public figure, thought, thought provoker, I mean, mentor, all of these things fell underneath them like, that's it. That is it. And obviously, I mean, the show's all in. That's the theme of everything that I do in my life because it's when I decide, even losing weight, dude, when I made the decision, it was a snap decision that it was like, all right, I'm in. And I didn't stop and drop the 80 pounds. So that is what I determined was what my superpower was by the key of exactly what you're saying was listening to what others had to say about me. And Rick, I love that. I think that that's amazing. I think your story is as great an illustration as I've heard of the fact that this is not a homework assignment that you can complete overnight. No way. <laughs> We're looking, we live in a world, we live in a time and place in which we want immediate answers. We want instant gratification. And when I give this homework assignment, whether I give it to students or whether I give it to audiences, there's this temptation to say, all right, it's a problem. I'm going to solve it. And I'm going to come back with an answer. And your story 
your personal story is such a great example of the fact that this isn't something that you're going to solve right away. This isn't something that you're going to solve in a, a defined amount of time. This is a journey. This is a process. And even when yeah. you think you know you what the answer is, it's something that's going to evolve as you continue to listen, as you continue to learn, as you continue to better understand yourself, better understand who you are. The more self-aware you become, the better you're going to be as a leader, the more successful you're going to be. And Rick, you really hit the nail on the head there. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that you that you take the perspective too that it takes a lot of time to to discover what this is about you because it takes time to become that word that you just said, self-aware. And it takes intention too to become self-aware. Sitting and, and thinking in the moment, why am I feeling this way? Why am I the way that I am? How can I change my behaviors? How can I improve? Where do I need to grow? What is it about me that I want to continue right now? That becomes such a lifelong journey, man. You know, and because uh, you you obviously teach out leadership, you teach out teamwork too, which is incredible. You know, and this is a concept that could be translated into teams too, can it? Absolutely. I've had this conversation and similar conversations with people on all kinds of teams. And when you talk to people on teams, on winning teams, you could talk to Super Bowl champions. You could talk to World Series champions. You could talk to leaders of teams who are winning wars on the battlefield. Yeah, right on. Literal literal wars on the battlefield. You could talk to leaders of teams that are excelling in Fortune 500 companies. And you could talk to leaders of teams that are building the fastest growing companies in America. Uh, startup companies that are no longer startups because they're now multi-billion dollar household names. And the core principles of effective leadership, the core principles of effective teamwork are universal. And that's a theme that I've learned by interviewing more than 500 of the most successful leaders in America. When you talk to a Hall of Fame athlete, when you talk to a four-star general, when you talk to a Fortune 500 CEO, when you talk to a founder of a $40 billion company, the same themes emerge and the core principles are applicable from the battlefield to the boardroom to the basketball court. Amen, my man. I, I appreciate that. Tell me about your podcast, 30 Minute Mentors. I love the name. I appreciate that. I hope uh, if you're, if anyone listening to this podcast enjoys the name, please check it out. It's uh, available sure it's on uh, all podcasting right? apps. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I want to send people, what's it about, man? And why'd you start it too? Two questions there. Sure. So uh, it is, uh, I'll give you a quick rundown. The concept is, Every week I bring on one of the most successful people in America for 30 minutes. So the guests who I bring on, uh, I just alluded to them, but Fortune 500 CEOs, retired generals, retired admirals, Hall of Fame athletes, the political leaders of America, cabinet members, senators, um, you know, founders of household name companies. So it's really CEOs and founders of companies that anyone listening to this podcast 
would have heard of or household names, people who you would know by just seeing their name. So the most successful people in America, I bring them on for 30 minutes. The idea is I want to give listeners access to the best network of mentors possible for 30 minutes at a time. And my job is to try to bring out the best and most valuable information possible so that anyone listening to the podcast can tune in and become more successful personally and more successful professionally by virtue of listening to any of the conversations. So it's really about tangible, practical advice. The conversations center around how whoever it is I'm interviewing got to the top, but more importantly, how anyone listening can get to the top as well. So that's the concept of the show. And the uh, backstory as to why I started the show is that, you know, I am an entrepreneur. I've started a few different businesses myself. I personally am a huge believer in the power of mentorship. I've written about the power of mentorship. And I also believe in a concept that I call mini mentors. So when you think about mentorship, you tend to think about a traditional mentor. You think about that one mentor in your life who you might go out to lunch with once a month. You might uh, have on speed dial and whenever there's a problem in your life, you can call him or her. They could be the sounding board. They're the person that is that rock and has helped you out through thick and thin. That's great. That's so important to have in your life. However, I'm a, I'm a very, very big believer in what I call mini mentors, which is what I try to bring to listeners of my podcast, 30 minute mentors. What are mini mentors? Mini mentors are people who you might interact with once. It could be a one-time connection. Mm, Nice. Yeah. I like that. But that one interaction could be a game changer to your life, could be a game changer to your business. And when you think about uh, Rick, I'm sure you can think through your entire career. You've been in so many different fields, done so many different things. You think about all the people who you've connected with maybe once, maybe twice, maybe for a 30 minute conversation, maybe for one coffee. Maybe there was this one instance where you connected with someone and you said, Hey, can I pick your brain? Or I I need some advice on this one topic. And that Mm. game changing conversation helped you immeasurably. Well, that's what I'm bringing to listeners through 30 minute mentors. That's beautiful, man. That's truth because you tend to look over those people too. You know, and I, I, humorously, a thirty-minute mentor of mine was the dude that was walking in the theater. And I've told this story, but the short, is short, the short, short of it is, dude walking in the theater that looked over me and like, "Hey, chubby," when I was actually overweight, <laughs> and uh, and I was like, "Man," you know, he was super drunk walking through the yeah. theater. But the, but that one dude caused me to look at myself a different way. I was like, "Man." I need to do something about this, you know, but yeah. there's of course been many, many other ones that have had those powerful impacts too. But, you know, even something like that, even somebody, you know, as, as you hear Adam talk here is in using my personal experience, it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that is even like, uh, like speaking positive things into you, right? Because you can pull something positive out of something negative. If somebody even comes up and criticizes you, this is bringing full circle back to like the hater conversation that we were talking about when we first started right you know you got somebody that's a hater but you think huh 
interesting. Maybe I could go down that path and help some more people. <laughs> if that's what they're talking about. It's really cool because if you allow it and have that space, man, uh, I, this mini mentor concept is amazing. And you could have so many more people impact your life in your direction than just focusing on just one or two major people. Rick, I also want to elaborate on something you brought up, which I think is just so important. You're talking about haters. And at the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about how it's important to focus on the positive. But I also think it's important, and you gave such a good example there, about someone who threw something negative at you and said, hey, you're fat. And you didn't say, you don't know what you're talking about. You're an idiot. You actually absorbed that negative feedback and you looked in the mirror and said, you know what? Uh, I want to get in better shape. I want to lose weight. I want to take ownership of my life. And even though people can at times be inartful in their uh, phrasing of, a uh, word. <laughs> of negativity, inartful, <laughs> there, there often is validity to uh, uh negative comments. When, if someone says something negative about you, about your product, about your service, and uh, to give an example for one of my businesses, whenever we hear something negative, we, the first thing we do is we, we get up on the edge of our seat because we love it. We, we want to hear it. We, we say, please tell us more. Uh, we don't say you're, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, just like me. The like, bring one. back the where'd the haters go? Bring them back. Come on, right? <laughs> yeah. right. We 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 want to listen. We we encourage it, and instead of pretending like you're perfect, and instead of pretending like everything that you're bringing out there is perfect, listen to the people who are saying negative things. Understand why they're saying negative things because there's a good probably a good chance that there's some validity to what they're saying. So. Um, you know, if someone says that you're fat, well, maybe they're a hater and maybe they're, maybe you're, you know, I had Tony Horton, the creator of P90X on my podcast. If someone tells Tony you're fat, they're just a hater, <laughs> yeah. but I had there Julian Michaels threshold, I would think, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but like, but if, but if someone says to you, if someone says to me, um, Hey, I don't like this about your, this product or if if someone's negative about um some experience they had well i want to hear it i want to know i want our customer service people to be the absolute best so if there's some negativity i want to know about it so i could view that as an opportunity to improve as an opportunity yeah. to grow as an opportunity for me to deliver something better that's awesome, man. Uh, I appreciate your perspective on that stuff. There's one thing that somebody found in your bio here. Remember how they go look in obscure information, right? <laughs> yeah, that I want to hit guys, Is this like an opposition research team? <laughs> no, it's, it's not at all. You know, it's more like a, you know when we started when we shifted this out. I'm like, you know, you know what? I've always loved the you know the, the Tonight Show or Conan O'Brien, you know, and I love it when he's interviewing guests. I love Conan. Conan is one of my favorite of all time. Yeah, you know, he's great. I would yeah. love how you know. 
mean, you'd have somebody on, you know, somebody prestigious, you know, and his, his edginess was just amazing too. But his team, you know, his producing team would find like these things out about people that are really not listed pretty much anywhere. I mean, they're out there obviously, but he's like, he'd bring them up and, you know, bring up photos. I'm not doing that to you today. You know, if they, of like embarrassing <laughs> photos or something, but you know, th this is one thing that you've worked on a, this isn't like anywhere in the forefront of your stuff, but you've worked on a successful presidential primary campaign, right? I did. I Who did. was that? Well, before we get into that, I, I want to share a story just because you're talking yeah, about please. my bio and um, a, a funny story, which I've shared over the years and talked about um, a podcast episode of mine. One time I was um, trading emails with a retired general and the retired general sends me an email and says, you know, I was uh, reading your bio and I really admire you. And I'm thinking like, you know, I, I wear contact lenses, so my vision isn't that great. Am I, are my eyes going blurry? What, what do you, the retired general admires me? What? I admire a retired general. What's going on here? And so I keep reading further and he says, you know, I admire you because you say that you're a lifelong angels fan. And he said, you know, in my bio throughout my entire military career, uh, I uh, declared that I was a proud Ohio State football fan. And you wouldn't know how much crap I took from everyone throughout my career for being a Ohio State fan. So I admire you for owning up to the fact that you're an Angels fan. So uh, I thought you were going in that direction, but uh, it's been a rough time for the Angels. Okay. You've shared you've some other deep, dark secrets. That's good. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, so I worked, I, worked for, uh, I worked for John Kerry. Oh, cool. When I was in college, yeah, when I was in college, I was actually the first intern hired by uh, John Kerry's presidential campaign um, on the western half of the United States. So I was there um, right at the beginning and it was a great learning experience. John Kerry didn't win, but it was close. And yeah. as a college student, I learned a lot. Brother Adam, thank you for being on. You know, everyone who's listening, go check out Adam's website, adammendler.com. You'll find links to his podcast, his social media. His social media handles is at Adam Mendler at all platforms. And go listen to his podcast. This idea of mini mentors is just amazing. Adam, brother, thank you for the conversation today. Hey, Rick, this was an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. For sure, my man. That's an amazing just environment to immerse yourself in too, which is what I feel the best way to learn is just kind of, hey, go all in, right? Just to immerse in and just dive into that stuff. That's awesome that you had that experience. What did you learn from that experience being on that campaign that you've taken with you through the rest of your life now? Yeah, so a few lessons. Um, obviously, the political landscape has changed a lot. So that was in the 2004 presidential yeah. campaign and which George, even, with George W's reelection bid, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the Iraq war was the central theme. Yeah. So things have changed quite a bit, but, um, back then, uh, now 
California is actually a very important state. And this might be inside baseball. I'm not sure how interested your listeners are in, in politics, but if they are, they might find this interesting. So now California is actually a meaningful state in the um, Democratic presidential primaries. So what happened was a few years ago, they moved the voting up. So what had always happened was uh, New Hampshire, Iowa, and South Carolina yeah. the, were the states that mattered. For the Democratic Iowa came Party. First. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Iowa came first. First you had the Iowa caucuses, then you had the New Hampshire primary, then it was South Carolina. Those were the three that mattered. And in 2004, those that was the order. It was Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. That's still the order. But um, California was all the way back. And by the time California voted in the primary, the primary had already been decided. So in politics, what matters in the presidential primary, I, I have a degree in business, I have a degree in political science. So again, I yeah. can kind of sort of get into this, but you care about money, you care about media, you care about momentum. Those yep. are the three M's. And after the first three states, that's what matters. If you win the first three states, you benefit by having the three M's on your side. So... Um, this is kind of a, an inside baseball way of saying that in 2004, me being based in Los Angeles, the votes of California Democratic primary voters didn't matter. Um, what mattered was the fact that California, the Golden State, um, was the Golden State for um, raising money. It still is the Golden yeah. State for raising money. So, so essentially the job of everyone stationed in California was to raise money. It was a, a fundraising process. It was a fundraising office. It was a fundraising uh, entity in California. Now, uh, fast forward to 2020, and um, because of the fact that the Secretary of State moved California up in the election cycle, we vote earlier now than we did in 2004. Hmm. Um, the votes here matter. So, anyone working on a presidential campaign. Now, people are still very focused on raising money. That's still a huge component of it. Yeah, yeah. Major, major component of it, especially in California. But there would also be a component focused on canvassing voters, getting people to get out and support, uh, you know, the presidential candidate at the polls, which wasn't the case back in 2004. Yeah, it's amazing how shifting the date like that and becoming one of the early voting states just thrust it into the forefront you know i mean they had everything else going california had everything else going for them already right it's typically a blue state to begin with and plus they've got over 50 electoral votes so why wouldn't they want to be one of the <laughs> one of the main focuses in a primary well one of the challenges and uh the reason why is because the argument has always been that california is such a big state it's so expensive to run sure. advertising in california so in a state like Iowa, in a state like New Hampshire, you can really get to know the voters on a retail level. Uh, you can win a race there by going into the local dining halls, by going to uh, the, the, you know, by, by sort of pounding the flesh. Um, whereas in California, you can't really do that. It's 
all about running advertising. So who wins those races? And it becomes less about the individual and, and more about the individual's ability to raise money. And um, when you actually look at the history of Democratic candidates and you look at Barack Obama and you look at Bill Clinton and you look at so many others over the years, it wasn't the favorite. It's often the underdog who's coming in and upsetting the favorite and able to um, go in and, and sort of charm the um, retail voters. And in Cal if California was the first state, I don't know how successful someone, you know, maybe, maybe you could argue that an Obama or a Clinton would, would be really successful through their media presence, but yeah. it's just a whole other strategy. That's interesting, man. That's very intriguing. Wow. I'm interested in politics too. I, you know, the audience, I, there's some political content that we put on too, but just kind of bringing truth into the world around certain initiatives and bringing things to lights. You know, I, I love this, you know, which is why I made a film last year too <laughs> about, you know, the, the inconsistencies in the response of governments across state governments across the United States. It wasn't even, Hey, so much what was right and wrong. You let people decide that, but it was like the inconsistencies of the response with the pandemic were just so different, so massively different from state to state. And even though that's how our government's supposed to be, we saw some issues last year too. So I, I love diving into politics, man, and just finding out the reasons why behind things. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love talking politics. I love, with that said, my show, 30 Minute Mentors, my content, it's apolitical. I yeah, don't, right I bring on political leaders. I bring on um well known yeah. have had its former senators have had cabinet members but i've had a couple of uh, press secretaries on there white house press secretary oh, cool. but but my goal really is for anyone listening to the podcast no matter what your ideology is you could be a democrat you could be a republican you could be independent i want you to be able to listen to whoever i'm bringing on and learn and become a better leader and become more successful in your life, become more successful in your business. I had, I'll give an example. I had uh, Senator Barbara Boxer on my podcast and Senator Barbara Boxer, a longtime Senator from the state of California. And um, one of the questions I asked her was, given your experience as a U.S. Senator, particularly during the time that you were in the U.S. Senate, so much of the role of a senator was doing deals, working with the other side of the aisle and negotiating. What were your best lessons on the topics yeah. of negotiating and deal making? And she dove into the story about her time uh, serving, working right across from Senator Jim Inhofe, who for those listeners who know a little bit about politics, Jim Inhofe is one of the most conservative members of the U.S. Senate. Barbara Boxer, one of the most liberal members when she was in. And they worked hand in hand. She said, Jim Inhofe and I had nothing in common. We saw the world completely differently. We didn't agree on anything. There couldn't have been anyone out there more diametrically different than me, more diametrically opposed to my views. I was opposed to his views, but there were certain ways where we were able to find common ground. And there were certain issues where I understood the way that he saw things 
by, by understanding his perspective, we were able to find common ground on certain issues. And she just dove into this really, really interesting way of understanding how to work with someone who sees things so differently than you, who you might think um, you have nothing in common with, but can serve as a framework for negotiating meaningful deals. And um, that's the kind of content that I try to, even taking my podcast out of the equation, that's the try to, kind of content that, that I try to look for in my life. Because at the end of the day, we're in a time right now in this country where you have two choices. You could either look at the person next to you and say, this person is so different than me. How am I ever going to have anything to do with him or her? Mm, or yeah. you can say, at the end of the day, there's something in each of us that connects us. There's something we have in common. I don't care if you like the Dodgers and I like the angels, I'll still find something redeeming in you. 